Thunderbrunt. They're, they're destroying the, the hell in the cell. And my God, don't get them over here where we are. What's going to happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh, my God. Look out. Official podcast of HoboTrashCan.com. You can share your thoughts on the show anytime by emailing Joel at Murphy's Law at HoboTrashCan.com. WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Hobo Radio, and everything you're about to hear is absolutely fact. And now, your host, miniature dog enthusiast, Joel Murphy. Hello again, I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and today we have something special for you. I'm going to be talking to Jim Ross, uh, the legendary Hall of Fame announcer for the WWE. I, it's a very exciting uh, day for me. I, you know, I've been a fan of Jim Ross's for, you know, most of my life. Uh, outside of Gorilla Monsoon, he is the guy, he's the announcer of, of my childhood, uh, you know, he's the, as I tell him, he's the voice that I hear in my head, uh, when I watch wrestling. And so I'm very excited to, to bring you this interview. It's a really great interview. It was a really a pleasure to talk to him. He could not have been nicer. Uh, it was everything that I would have hoped. Uh, but you know, before I get to it, I, I do need to take a moment here to, uh, you know, address something slightly awkward. The, the elephant in the room, as it were, um, I interviewed Jim Ross last Monday and, uh, you know, I talked to him during the day and, uh, you know, he was coming on to promote, uh, his May 16th appearance, uh, here in Baltimore. And, uh, you know, as you guys know, I'm sure you've been, uh, watching the news, you know, Monday night. And this was after I had wrapped up talking to Jim, uh, you know, there, there were riots here in Baltimore you know, the sort of, uh, Freddie Gray, uh, you know, fallout from that. Um, and you know, it's been a very heartbreaking, uh, week. It's been very tough for me to see, you know, it's been very difficult. Uh, it, it's been jarring and shocking and, and something that I didn't really expect. It's not something that you think about dealing with and, and, you know, something that, Obviously, when it's a city that, 
you know, I spend a lot of time and I, I live just outside of the city, but I'm there, you know, probably about half the week with improv and with everything else. It's a city that I spend a lot of time in and it's heartbreaking to, to see what's happening. And it's been rough to see the way it's been portrayed in the news, the, the, you know, a lot of outside people weighing in and, you know, cable news having opinions and, you know, I've been mostly silent. I think other writers on Hobo Trash Can have done a good job addressing it. I highly recommend uh, reading what Molly wrote and, and checking out what Kim wrote. And, and I've been, you know, pretty silent on it. If you followed me on Twitter, I, I've written some stuff, but I, you know, haven't really weighed in on it. And I, I'm still trying to process a lot of it. And, you know, I, I without delving into it here, because this isn't the, the right time, I would just, you know, first of all, recommend like really dig in deep and go beyond like what you're seeing on TV and try to, you know, find out for yourself if you have questions or if you want to figure out what's going on, just look a little deeper than what CNN or what Fox is telling you. And, uh, you know, probably most importantly, uh, if you want to help, if you feel inspired to do that, I'm going to put up a link. Uh, the Baltimore Sun did a good job covering, um, you know, what you can do to help, uh, you know, they have a lot of different ways that people can sort of help the the city to rebuild because things are definitely not solved, but they're, they're starting to get better. And, uh, you know, the city's looking to rebuild. So if you, if you feel inspired to, to do that, I'm going to put up a link. You can check that out on your own. And again, I just, uh, wanted to talk about all that. Cause obviously I, I'm super excited to, to talk to Jim Ross and he's, on to talk about coming to Baltimore, which he will be doing on May 16th. And uh, at, he'll be coming to Ram's Head Live. You can still get tickets to that, I believe, and, you know, come out and, and see Jim Ross. And uh, it's going to be great. And Jim is amazing. But I just, again, it, it seemed weird to to not address what's going on in the city. And obviously, I you know, I held off on the interview until this week, just as it seemed odd to to run this interview that took place basically hours before everything that happened so i hope you enjoy it today and uh keep baltimore in your thoughts uh you know without further ado here is my talk with uh the legendary hall of famer jim ross Well, the, the most important question, and this is one uh, that I've been dying to ask you for years, and that's uh, what are the technical requirements that a match must meet to be qualified as a slobber knocker? <laughs> well, you got to have physicality. Uh, the wrestlers can't be afraid to break an egg. Uh, there's got to be uh, uh, a discernible level of intensity. So I think that uh, the match needs to be um, longer on physicality and shorter on finesse to be a cyber knocker. <laughs> uh, and I'm just, uh, in general, I'm kind of curious too. Um, I, I heard a recent podcast that you did where you were interviewing Shawn Michaels and uh, you talked about the fact that you miss uh, like the sort of bell-to-bell -bell broadcasting, like the actual you know, sort of uh, 8 to 11 broadcasting time and, and maybe not so much some of the other aspects of the job. But uh, I was just curious, like, what is it like for you now to sort of reflect on that 
time, which was obviously a, a large part of your career of just, you know, your time spent as the signature announcer? Well, I think uh, at this stage of my life, I'm, I'm much more appreciative of the uh, opportunities that I had uh, uh, while they were ongoing. Unfortunately, uh, I uh, I think it taught me a good lesson, you know, to, that I try to practice daily now is uh, always count your blessings and always be uh, appreciative of the moment. You know, I sell my podcast every week, and it's just not just a tagline that, uh, you know, our tomorrows are not guaranteed. I really believe that, and I'm not, I'm not an overly uh, religious guy. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker, uh, but I do have certain philosophies that I think of over the years that have actually changed, and I guess, you know, it fits the adage, you know, uh, old dogs can learn new tricks, and I really believe that, uh, you know, when you stop growing, you really start dying, and so uh, that was the one of the things that uh, I miss that I wish I would have embraced it more. I love doing the broadcast. I love doing the play-by-play. I love being able to utilize my uh, gifts, for lack of a better term, and my, and, and my whatever skill set that I developed in doing play-by-play and storytelling. But I don't know that I appreciated it as much at certain points of my career because I was so darn busy doing uh, multiple uh, tasks. I had a a very, uh, you know, uh, involved job description. So if I were only a broadcaster or only working in the broadcast area, I, I probably would have felt a little differently about it at the time. But gosh, I was so busy uh, doing other things in addition to the broadcasting that I didn't, you know, stop and, and smell the coffee as, uh, as probably as much as I should have, quite frankly. But now that I look back on it, it was just a glorious time. And, and of all the things I miss, I miss the camaraderie with the guys. I think you kind of hear that from any old ball player or any, anybody that's been around a group of guys. You miss that camaraderie when you're not with them. Uh, I miss that. I don't miss uh, TSA. I don't miss airlines. <laughs> I don't miss lost reservations at the rental car counter. Uh, our people, when you ask for your room, they look at you like you have two heads uh, and they're not prepared for you. I don't miss the travel, in other words. But there's nothing really uh, that I've ever been able to do that replicates uh, once the red light comes on and you're on the air live. Uh, there's That's to me, is um, the ultimate adrenaline rush. And uh, so I really miss that. That's why, you know, I, I did the uh, that show I did in in uh, Tokyo in January was basically just to feel that buzz again. You know, it was a it was a long trip. It was a fun show. It was a unique show to do. Uh, you know, the pay was great, but quite frankly, the experience and just I had to you know feel it again and. And to be at ringside with 40,000 people kind of surrounding you and in anticipation of this great event uh, was just, uh, you know, I missed that. I missed that rush. I talked to Dwayne Johnson from time to time, and, you know, he's so busy doing movies, but 
they don't compare to that live audience. You know, it's live theater. It's there's no there's no net, there's no retakes, there's no cut. You know, take twelve. You know, you're just there. And when you're psychic, when you know that, it's in your heart and it's in your mind that this is you got one swing here. If it's not three strikes and you're out, you got one shot at it. Uh, then you, it, it just does something to a lot of us that uh, we can't find anywhere else. Well, you mentioned the the Tokyo show. I would have to imagine that uh, there are opportunities out there for you if you wanted to do commentary. Is that just something that you don't like? You you maybe look for individual opportunities like that versus like I I, I just have to imagine TNA or someone would still want you to to come back if you wanted to you know well, do it. There's there's there are opportunities that that come along. I uh, number one I. I'm really not uh, motivated to engage in it every week. In other words, I don't really want to go do any uh, travel uh, and uh, get on a weekly rotation again where it's you're, you know, 50, 51 weeks a year, you're on the road. I'm, I'm kind of not there. Uh, I am also interested in doing you know, it becomes challenging now. It's a challenging thing. Not that wrestling wasn't challenging, but I kind of got the rhythm down. I kind of it was in my DNA. I've been I've done it for I did it for forty years. Now I'm very motivated to do other things in the broadcasting world because I find it challenging. I find that for so many years, uh, some people in the media and in broadcasting uh, as well included uh you know that you get pigeonholed for your you're the wrestling guy oh he's the wrestling guy oh he's the guy with the black hat he's the wrestling guy and so then they they put you in this little this little box that uh, that only you only open when you want to do it when you need a wrestling announcer and i always believe that if you could put the images on a monitor and I had the uh, opportunity to prepare for the broadcast where I could make an emotional investment in what I was seeing that I could broadcast it. Now, that may sound egocentric. It may sound, you know, uh, gosh, our ego's, you know, the size of a plate of ribs or something. Uh, but I, I have that confidence that if you can put it on the monitor and I've got time to study it and I, and I, and I have an interest in what I'm doing, that I think I can do a, uh, a a better job than many would perceive if given that opportunity. So, with all that said, uh, I'm pursuing some opportunities in boxing and kickboxing and uh, MMA because I like all those sports. They they're combat sports that kind of fit my pitch and my tenor and my timing and my and my my feel for the game. So uh, that's kind of what my my management team and and I are, are we're engaged in talks now about doing some some uh, some boxing and kickboxing and and maybe MMA. There are more opportunities right now in boxing and kickboxing than there are in MMA. Uh, but I'm a fan of all those genres. So uh, you know, hey, look, if I had my in a perfect world, someone would offer me a football opportunity. I I would uh, 
probably not be make my manager very happy, but I probably would settle for a, you know, I, I probably would be very easy to negotiate with to do football because I'm a football chunky. Well, you're at all uh, the Oklahoma games, right? They could just get you in the uh, the booth. Yeah, you know, the uh, I was talking to the to Coach Stoops about that a couple three years ago, and he said, well. Uh, you know, he, he thanks to Coach Stoops, Bob Stoops, I I'm on the sideline for all the OU games. I fly to a lot of the away games with the team. I stay at the team hotel on the road. Uh, you know, I'm part of the traveling party. It's a, it's it's a great privilege. Uh, and being a lifelong fan, it's a it's like bucket list stuff for me. But I uh, he he was kidding me. He said, but Jr. Look at all the fun you're going to miss if you get to work. And he was kind of tongue-in-cheeking it, but he was actually kind of hit the nail on the head. I had so much fun being on the sideline and being around the game, that the 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 the, the, the sights, the sounds, the everything about being on the sideline is really, really compelling for me. And when you get, you know, I'm 63 years old, and, you know, the, we all, all of us, Guys, and you know, uh, I've never been 63 before, so I'm not sure how you're supposed <laughs> to act. I I still feel like I tell people that 63 is a new 43, but you look for those opportunities where you can find that passion. You can it can tap into your DNA. It can give you that uh, IV of adrenaline, and being on that sideline for OU games, home and away, uh, gives me something very special that I. They have a hard time replicating. So uh, I think Coach was right. You know, uh, I would you really trade your OU game day experiences to go broadcast either an OU game or another team's game and miss the Oklahoma sideline experience? And I'm not so sure, you know, that uh, I want to do that. I have had, I will tell you, that I have had talks with networks about off Saturdays, you know, heck, you can, uh, anymore college football is played on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays. And so uh, I have, uh, we've had discussions about that. Nothing's come of it, come out of it yet. We've had some positive discussions, but, you know, that would be the ideal thing. You know, you'd go to do a college game on Thursday, let's say, and then you, I could go on Saturday and, double dip at the fan but that's uh that's kind of a perfect world scenario but so i i i miss that uh adrenaline rush i've missed a live audience and that's kind of what motivated me to get to try to do these one-man shows was the fact that i'm back in front of a live audience i have the opportunity to connect or not with that audience to entertain them and to inform them, uh, you know, uh, to motivate them. You know, my my life story has been a really unique, and how and where I started and and the things I've been lucky enough to experience from for somebody with a, you know, for a chubby kid from Eastern Oklahoma that grew up as an only child on a 160 acre farm that endured three bouts of Bell's palsy and still have the remnants of facial paralysis. Uh, I've had a, I've had a storybook career. And, uh, so my point to people is that, hey, look, if I can do it, 
with this hand that I was dealt and in my background, there is absolutely no reason that you can give me that you can't do, uh, you can't live your dreams. And I and I truly believe that. I just I, I just don't believe that none of, any of us should allow others to put limitations on us or define us, and that our success or failure is really up to us, by and large. So uh, my 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 show is I'm not a comedian, but I think I'm probably more. If I had to be defined as something, it'd probably be a humorist. But I'm a storyteller, and some of the stories are are, are funny. Some are outlandish, some are over the top, some are poignant, some have messages that are that are good to know. So it's a, but that gives me my, that allows me that little fix, and it also every city that I go to, you know, I've been most of the time I've been to before in a wrestling setting, so it brings with it its own unique memories. So, so it's a. Uh, it's been a it's been a real blessing to be able to do those shows and and um and, you know like Baltimore no exception you know gosh I I've had some some of my best moments and some of my worst moments in Baltimore and uh, so I'm I'm excited to 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 be, to be able to get back there and and share those memories with the fans that have supported me all these years uh, with my shows so it's a it's really a kind of a, a reunion of sorts. I'm still a wrestling fan, always will be, uh, and a lot of those folks that will, that will be at my show uh, in Baltimore or any other market, they followed me for a long time. You know, that's the thing I guess about starting out in television syndication and going through the world of being there when wrestling got big on cable and satellite and pay-per-view and. I was at the right place at the right time, and and uh, so, you know, I I am. Uh, I say this because others do. I'm, I'm the voice of the childhood of a lot of guys, a lot of people. Yeah, well, I, I can, use, I can, you know, because you are, uh, you're, you know, you're very humble, and, and you, you've said that you don't want to sound egotistical. I will tell you, I am uh, 34 years old, and uh, you are the voice of wrestling for me. I mean, you know, I, I remember growing up with like Gorilla Monsoon, obviously, but, sure. uh, but after that, I mean, like you, you're the guy. Like when I picture wrestling in my head, I, I hear you calling it, and I think that is that way for a lot of people. Like you, well, I, I, that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah, I'm proud of that. See, I, I was never a lot of you know a lot of wrestling fans. That's the thing about my show that 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 we really it's almost a sanctuary for wrestling fans because so many times wrestling fans are criticized or are are mocked, or you know, or, or made fun of because they are a fan. It's like the old days of people like country music, you know. Uh, uh, Country music was a, you know, a very you were very stereotyped if you like country music, and it's changed now because of it's the, the our, our the perception of country music now is not just the Grand Ole Opry and uh, Little Jimmy Dickens, uh, Roy Acuff or somebody. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's high energy, it's big shows, it's stadium shows, it's a whole different deal. Same thing with NASCAR. You know, for years NASCAR was just a, was was a good old boy, uh, Caucasian male redneck uh, environment, and now it's 
it plays a big part in corporate America, and it is a huge part of Fox Television, for example. So uh, I think pro wrestling kind of fit in that world in some in some way. But when you come to one of my shows, you don't have to worry about getting ridiculed. You don't have to worry about getting teased. It's a sanctuary, and we're all there uh, with, with because we have been fans at varying levels. You say you're 34, but I can, and you're probably not the fan you were uh, 10, 15 years ago. No, no, definitely. And that's, yeah, like the, the whole attitude era was definitely, you know, sort oh, yeah. of high school, like through the attitude, like all of that is definitely, yeah, sort of, I guess, probably well, we, the peak. We cover that. You know, that's the thing. For, let's say, for example, uh, you're, you're, let's say, uh, uh, Joe, you come to our, to my show. Even though you haven't watched WWE or any wrestling recently, you're, you may have a really cool question or want to ask or hear about the Attitude Era. Uh, or there, well, that's something I'm always willing to ask, whatever. So you, you're, you're just, it's just as relevant. These shows are just as relevant to fans that were, that have been displaced, so to speak, as they are to the fans who consume every ounce of, every minute of wrestling that they can on television today. And, you know, Lord knows there's plenty of it to watch. So uh, that's kind of what we've created here with this show. My show is, you know, I, I'm reluctant to use the word stand-up, but uh, my, for the lack of a better term, my stand-up is, makes up only a small portion of the, of the show, and the largest uh, aspect of our presentation is the Q&A, because I don't... Uh, forbid any topic or any question or any subject. Nothing's off limits, and you shouldn't feel intimidated to ask anything you want. If I don't know the answer, I mean, they get total honesty from me with that question. Uh, but, you know, it's something I, what was the, you know, what was the second best match at the WrestleMania 9, you know, something like that. You know, I might not be able to answer that one. <laughs> Well, you know, that, you know what I'm saying? People right. think you remember everything of every show, uh, and it's impossible. So, but I, but the best part of my show, in my view, is not me giving them my hitting them some jokes and some funny stories, which I enjoy doing, but it really, the show really hits its stride when the, the, we, we go to the Q&A because every audience is different. Every audience in different regions of the world are different. They're, what's on their mind is unique. So that changes the, con, the complexities and the, and the overall complexion of every show. Every show is unique. So, and that I like. So the Q&A is really the, the money of, of what I do. And, and, uh, and generally, I can take your question, and after I answer it, I can segue that into a story that ties to it, that adds a little bit more of the, you know, a little bit. You, you provide the entree there, and I and I put a little barbecue sauce on it. So to speak. <laughs> 
well, I, I would imagine too, you, you know, you talked about people asking stuff from all the ages. I would have to imagine with the network too, that makes it kind of cool that someone might very well have watched a match, you know, the day before coming to a show from 20 years ago that then, you know, is fresh in their mind that then they can ask you about. Or, or do you see a lot of that of like people kind of maybe for the first time or maybe rewatching stuff and then sort of bringing that up? Yeah, I, I hear what I'm seeing more than anything. I, I see, I see people watching things for the first time. Uh, I, I get that on Twitter a lot and on my, I have a Q and a section on my uh, website and, uh, I get, you know, Hey, I never, uh, I mean, I've gotten stuff as, as, uh, unique as saying, I didn't know you were in wrestling before WWE. Oh wow! And I said, yeah. I said, yeah. I was only only nineteen years. So I was kind of an overnight <laughs> sensation. <laughs> it took me nineteen years to get to WWE that, in '93. But yeah, I had a little uh, cup of coffee here and there before I got there. But so th- a lot of people are watching uh, those old WCW pay per views and Clash of Champions events that they were too young. They didn't. They they were. You know, they're they're. You know, we, we do the math and, uh, you know, it's, uh, I was talking to a lady today, uh, uh, I had a, I had a question about my, uh, MasterCard. Uh, and, uh, she said, I want to thank you for being a customer for 26 years. And I said, what? And she said, yeah, you've been with us for 26 years. And I said, so I just found out that for over a quarter of a century, I've had I've been a Mastercard holder, and uh, I hadn't thought of it that way. The time just flies by. So what you think about is, well, I did some we did some really good shows in the late '80s for Turner. Okay, you look at that thirty years ago, thirty years ago, Joel. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean. You you were probably born, but you weren't you weren't uh, filing away all this wrestling information when you were four. You know more than likely about what happened on the Clash of Champions or what have you. <laughs> no. So uh, it's a it's a real uh, you know we forget to do the math sometimes, and we forget that some of these people are just uh, they don't know they they're they haven't uh, you know they haven't uh, they haven't seen it. So the the network. The WWE Network is is going to keep a lot of guys, which is a good thing. Uh, it's heartwarming to a lot of, for me, for a lot of guys, for myself, sure, but for a lot of my older friends and and guys that didn't have the success I had because of first one thing or another, personal demons or bad investments or bad marriages or whatever the case may be. The network is going to make those guys relevant it's going to give them opportunities to to do, to create some revenue at fan conventions and wrestle cons and things like that and it's going to give their grandchildren a chance to see grandpa or grandma uh do their thing so it's 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 really a, a neat deal for a lot of us in the business but uh i think i think the most Either I am somebody seeing some of my work in that period for the first time, uh, or uh, they're seeing it again 
and they're, and they're seeing it since, you know, well, the, I saw this originally when I was 10. And, you know, or, or that kind of thing. And, of course, the, the product then is a lot different than it is now. And, and, and my style of, and a lot of guys' style back then, was to be more sports-oriented and do more play-by-play. It's become more storytelling. I don't know that one is so much better or worse than the other, but uh, the bottom the bottom line of it is it's just things have changed. So, uh, well, I I do think the I I miss the more uh, sports oriented, and especially for I I think of like newer fans in terms of you know I remember growing up like that's how I learned the moves, and you sort of learned wrestling from the announcers, and so. When there's not as much play by play, when there's not as much like focus on that, I feel like, I mean, I guess maybe their thought process is that's not as important these days, but I, I don't know. I like to me, that was how I got my education was sort of listening to announcers tell me what moves were being done. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a managerial philosophy. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just the way. Yeah, it's like anything else in TV. People uh, people change things, you know. Everybody's always trying to reinvent the wheel, or they're trying to improve the wheel, or or whatever the case may be. But uh, uh, I'm, you know, my preference is is I'm biased. I'll just say it. All right, I'm biased. <laughs> I, I I'm my preference is what I learned to do originally. And my bosses in the beginning wanted me to approach everything in a uh, sports vernacular, sports-oriented, legitimate sport uh, presentation. And so that's how I learned, and and I worked on that craft and that skill set to try to perfect it. I've never called a perfect match. I've never, you know, I've never called a perfect show. I'm my own worst critic, and uh, the, you, you were talking earlier about the network. Every now and then, I'll get a wild hair, and I'll put on something that I did in, from the, oh, you know, 86, 87, 88, you know, in that neighborhood, and I will, that will be the first time I will have ever seen that show because I didn't go back and watch my work uh, when I was uh, in that. I never slowed down. I was always... Going from one gig, one gig to the next, one job to the next. I always wore multiple hats. I was never just a talent. I always had more things to do. So, uh, uh, you know, I had, I had more jobs to do, more responsibilities. So without, with that said, I'm seeing some of these shows for the first time, just like a fan. So I find it kind of, then I cringe, you know, my voice has changed since then. <laughs> I'm a little higher pitch when I was younger. And that's what smoking and drinking will do for you. Uh, thank God I quit smoking about a year and a half ago. Oh, good. Uh, that was a big win for me, big victory. Uh, so, you know, you age, your voice changes, things change. And uh, so uh, I, I've been watching some things on the network that, you know, heck, I did them. I did the show, but I didn't, I, I never, I never watched it back. I never, I never. You know, then we didn't have as much, we didn't have all the technology then. You couldn't just bring home a DVD. You had to bring home a, you know, back in the day, you'd borrow, you know, well, do you have a beta player at home? Well, no, I don't have a beta player. 
then it got to where you could get a VHS, and and then all of a sudden you got tired of having VHSs stacked everywhere, and so I just I just didn't bring them home, and uh, so I just didn't uh, I just didn't watch them. So now I'm watching some of them like the fans do, and and enjoying that experience because it's new again, even though I still cringe at my own work. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, too, in addition to teaching me a a lot of wrestling terms and and all of that, you also I'm an English major. And the first time I ever heard the word temerity was on one of your broadcasts. So uh, I'll give you a lot of credit for that. That's an awesome word that I I, I had to look up after you. You threw that one out during a I believe it was a Hardy Boys match, actually. Well, the uh, I find myself uh, we get lazy as broadcasters. We get lazy as writers. And we and we 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 depend on certain words and uh, we just use them. I'm writing a book right now, my autobiography, working with a writing partner on writing a book, and you know I'll go back and I'm my, I'm the worst critic in the world, my own writing, and and so uh, just like in in uh, if I see myself using an adjective too many times on on a and you know consecutive paragraphs or on two out of every three pages or something, I I try to figure out something else to make it read a little more unique. And then back in the day when I was doing announcing, if it, let's say one of your terms, uh, you talk about something is great. So I would go through and I'd get online and, or get my thesaurus out. And I'd put at the heading of the page, great, in a column. Then underneath it, I'd put all the, the uh, synonyms to that, to that, to that, base word and so then when i wanted to use great i could use 10 or 12 different words that meant great or evil or strong things that are are germane to the craft of doing pro wrestling evil mean you know strength power uh whatever it was uh brave so I had I would go through the the my uh, thesaurus, and uh, of course now online I believe you know you can do it easily, much easier. But then you make yourself a little cheat sheet, and you get all these different uh, words. And I carry that in my briefcase. I just in case it's as if I feel like maybe at some airport somebody's going to want me to come. Hey, you got time to come call a match? Well, <laughs> sure. I got my I got my stuff with me. I got. I'm wearing my hat, so I'm ready to roll. So, but really, I, we all get that way. We get dependent on certain words and phrases, and you want some of those things. You know, the, some of my cliches. You know, did I? I never thought that that uh, uh, with my background that I would ever be in the Urban Dictionary. I'm in the Urban Dictionary, so a Slavernocker. <laughs> Slavernocker's in the Urban Dictionary, and I get credit for it. Uh, I don't know what that means in the big picture, but it's. A unique accomplishment, to say the least. Well, you're also you've been a meme too. You're you're a YouTube meme in that. Uh, oh yeah. A lot of people <laughs> took the as God is my witness, he's broken in half, and have put that in a lot of other videos yeah. as well. So, I, the only thing I say to that is it's humbling, uh, but also it's uh, I just wish that Twitter paid royalties. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you should get at least I feel like anyone who's who's listening to this, they should send you a check every time. They... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's it's a, but it's been fun. You know, it's been a great 
it, my stories, I got a lot of good stories from the 70s, you know, different lifestyle, different music, different clothing, different, uh, different, just a different way of life in the territory days of pro wrestling or was it like the Wild West? You know, it's kind of like what, it reminded me of, uh, it reminded me of watching, uh, one of my favorite shows on HBO, Deadwood. Oh, yeah. uh, it reminded me of Deadwood in the sense that Deadwood is, is, is essentially a Western, but it's not a, it wasn't a typical Western. It wasn't like Gunsmoke, one of those traditional or Bonanza or one of those older vintage television show uh westerns it was it was raw and it was uh guttural and it was real and it had elements in it that you didn't normally associate with a western it was deadwood was uh you know was a and the casting was in, was uh just perfection and uh so i looked at the wrestling in the 70s and the territory days as a little bit like uh the uh, equivalent of Deadwood is not what you expect it to be. It wasn't what you just saw on television, the, the travel and the, and the personalities and uh, where the person, personalities came from and the diversity and uh, just the, the, the overall political incorrectness was uh, to be something to be held and not, not, not to be emulated, but, it was pretty damn uh, uh, eye-opening, especially when you're you're uh, early twenty-something, and you had you'd grown up in a r- very rural environment in a very small town. I had about fifty kids in my graduating class, so you know I, I needed one semester of college to graduate. I got this job offer from from Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts, to go come to work for his wrestling territory. And I thought, boy, this would be a hell of a summer job. And I'll have great tales to tell my buddies when I go back to school this fall. And 40 years later, uh, I'm still lacking that one semester to graduate. <laughs> we have the time now. You, you could always. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, my wife tells me I'm too busy now, you know, so between the one man shows and the, uh, uh, podcasting, I'm getting ready to go. Uh, I'm leaving here in just a few minutes to go uh, recording a podcast tonight that drops on Tuesday. Uh, every Tuesday night at 9 Eastern, uh, we have a podcast, you know, the Ross Report, as you know, drops. So, uh, I'm recording it tonight and, uh, we're gonna, I'm gonna review the, uh, uh, WWE pay-per-view from last night and other, other wrestling-oriented things. I know my demo and my, and we have fun with that. So, uh, it's a, it's great. That's growing amazingly well and very happy for, to be able to say that, that our podcast is one of the most popular podcasts in the world. And we just have a very loyal audience and they liked my opinion and they liked to hear the stories and the, and the interviews or, you know, I, I enjoyed the interview process. I, 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 I'm inquisitive. Uh, you know, I don't go in there with a set list of questions. I think you start off with a little outline and, then you just let it flow based on the answers, because you can't you can't really uh, it's hard to script follow ups. You know you can get your outline. But how do you how do you know what the guy's going to say or the lady's going to say, and then to get to script 
a, a follow-up question. It's just a little challenging. I'm not that smart, quite frankly. So I use my instincts more than I use my intellect, so it works out better that way. Well, uh, I, I you've been very generous with your time. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, obviously uh, we've mentioned the you know Baltimore. You're coming May 16th to Ram's Head. Is there um, other stuff coming up? If uh, people from other cities are, are listening or anything, is there any other place that you want to mention or a good well, way to well, do the uh, Baltimore date is on on Saturday, May 16th, as you mentioned at the uh, Ram's Head live venue. Uh, tickets are available at ramsheadlive.com, and on the day of the event, they'll be, as long as tickets last, they'll be available at the door. Uh, there is some downtown Baltimore. The uh, It's a great venue, too. I don't know if you've been there before or not. I, I, everybody's told me that. Yeah. Everybody, I have not, everybody said you're going to love it, and so I'm looking forward to it. I've never been there before. I've never played Baltimore before, so with this show. Uh, I'm going... Uh, we're finalizing a date in Washington, D.C. that isn't quite done yet, but I'll, I'll be playing Washington, D.C. Uh, in August. Uh, also in August, August 22nd, is that's the night before the uh, WWE SummerSlam event in Brooklyn on Saturday night, August 22nd. August 22nd is uh, my show at the Gramercy Theater in New York City. I played there two years ago, did two shows there. We did well. We're going to play one show. I was a little too ambitious when I first started. had all this uh, T&V that I could do two shows back-to-back. And, you know, we do meet and greets, which I love to do. And uh, we have a special VIP ticket you can buy if you choose. Uh, so, you know, doing two, two meet and greets and two shows was just a little bit... Uh, a little bit too much. So uh, I, the, the shows now are better. I, more, I, all the energy goes into one meet and greet and one show, and it's a better deal. So uh, Saturday, August 22, New York City Gramercy Theater. Tickets for that are on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Um, I'll be in Rhode Island in June in Providence at a big uh, Northeast Fan Fest. Big deal there. And I'm going to London. Uh, doing two days in London in June uh, at the first ever London WrestleCon. And then I'm doing a one-night-only deal on Monday in June in Manchester, England, with Shawn Michaels and I together on stage. So, uh, you know, I'm busy summer, uh, and then I try to get it all squeezed in so I can uh, not uh, have any football conflicts uh, on the football weekends. I actually turned gigs down to go to OU games, which if you're my accountant or my financial planner, you cringe at that, hearing that. But <laughs> I lose money because I it costs you to go to a game and to, you know, to travel and hotels and so forth. Uh, even if you're rather team playing, you got to pay for your hotel room. You got to eat. You got to, you know, you got to socialize a little bit with your buddies. So. Uh, and so you turn down that payday you could make for going and doing one of your shows to go to a ball game. But, you know, it's just my passion. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. I don't, I look forward to it as a matter of fact. So, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying life and I'm hoping, I'm looking forward to my book getting finished. Uh, right, finishing this damn book is like, I, it's like the scene out of Forrest Gump 
when Tom Hanks takes his little boy to the school bus stop and he holds his hand until the bus comes and then he reluctantly releases the little fellow's hand and he, <laughs> the little guy runs and gets on the bus. I'm, I'm kind of that way with my manuscript and my book. I just, I want to keep holding its hand as long as I can before I give it a, to somebody to edit. And, uh, there's always just one more thing. Oh, I'll read it one more time or I'm, I'm not quite sure about if I should say this or uh, maybe somebody's going to take this the wrong way or whatever. So it's a, uh, but I'm always busy. And like I said, the podcast has been a great creative release. And, uh, you know, I, I thank the fans for, uh, you know, uh, for taking their time to listen to it. You know, it's a, it's really, uh, it's been a very, it's exceeded our expectations amazingly. Cause I wasn't going to do it. Steve Austin, uh, I still talk to pretty much every week. Steve started doing a podcast. He said, and I was on his show early. He said, man, you should do a podcast. You should do, you're perfect for doing a podcast. You know, and I, I hated to show my ignorance, but you know, I said, you know, you know, Steve, I'm not really sure what the hell a podcast is. <laughs> I said, I still can't, you know, uh, they, on your computer where you can cut and paste. I said, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how to program. I said, we have a DVR now on our TV, so I don't have a, I, I never learned in my life how to program a DVR, a, a VCR. Never. It always flashed 12, and I never got it. And so now, you know, I know how to do the DVR. But So my point is I'm obviously not very uh, IT-oriented or, or, or uh, smartphone. I guess I got an iPhone, and I'm, I'm still there's things in the iPhone I have no idea what to do. So uh, I'm a little old school in that regard, but I, I'm, I'm uh, having fun, and I live one day at a time at its fullest. And always with that mantra that tomorrows aren't guaranteed, so take nothing for granted, and I don't. So it'll that's that's kind of where we are. Life is good. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, and like I said, it, genuinely, this has been a pleasure talking to you. Like I said, uh, you're you're the guy I hear in my head when I think of wrestling. So uh, you know, it's well, nice. I appreciate to- your help, and maybe you'll help us sell some tickets and create some awareness for our show and. If you do, we're we're grateful for it, and uh, uh, you know, if anything I can do on our end, let let us know, and we'll try to accommodate you. But uh, definitely, and I'm uh, dragging as many people as I can to your show, so I, I'll definitely do my part to uh, to bring as many people as possible. Uh, All right, buddy. By the way, are you uh, you going to stick around the next night and uh, stop by the pay per view, or are you getting out of town before? No, that? I'm uh, I'm not. I am. Uh, I'm getting into town on, uh, on, let's see. I'm getting into town on Thursday. And I'm doing some media Thursday evening and a lot of media on Friday. And then the show is Saturday. And then I'll, uh, uh, I'm flying home, uh, Sunday afternoon. Oh. Uh, and I, cause I have to do, I have to record my podcast on Monday. Oh, okay. So I got to get right back to right back at it. I'll get home in time to watch SummerSlam or uh, excuse me, the pay per view. Nice payback. Well, I know you. You, you said you had that briefcase. So I was hoping maybe you know you'd be there in the arena. You never know. You might end up doing commentary. No, 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 no. <laughs> that, that ship. I think that ship sailed. So they're they're getting younger. They're going young. They're going with the youth movement, uh, or at least that's their that's their their intentions, which I I get. Uh, 
you know, they they certainly know that I'm ready, willing, and able. If if you know, I, I'm in the I'm out there in the perpetual bullpen, and uh, if uh, all the arms go dead, figuratively speaking, and they needed somebody to come in and get a few outs, I probably could do that. But uh, uh, I don't expect my uniform to get dirty anytime soon. So I think I've you know, not with Lisa, you know, WWE, you never know. You never say never in this business. But uh, the, the the one thing I know is that I have not uh, called my last uh, event of some kind. That's going to happen. It's just a matter of getting the eyes dotted and the T's crossed and uh, getting things rolling again. So uh, I'm too motivated to, but it'll be a, a gig. It'll be a thing where, you know, you do something once every three weeks, once a month, something like that. And uh, around all my other activities, the ringside with Jim Ross shows and the podcasts and all the stuff, it'll it'll fit in quite nicely on, on that kind of a rotation. So it's uh, manageable, and uh, that's that's good at this stage of the game. Just, just keep it fun. Look forward to all your projects and keep it manageable. Well, let me know when that day happens, and and I will make sure to to promote the hell out of it. All right, buddy. I appreciate you very much. Thanks so much. All right, take care. There you have it, my talk with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. Uh, Such a lovely guy, you know, so entertaining to talk to. Uh, And once again, you know, coming to Baltimore to Rams Head Live May 16th. Uh, you know, come check it out, get tickets, and uh, you know, follow follow Jim Ross on Twitter. Keep up to date on everything he's doing. Um, and uh, you know, Lars and I will be back with a regular show very soon, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and until then, remember, kids, don't do drugs or you go to hell before you die. Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Thundergrunt Podcast Network.